You're listening to 20-something Conversations, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Helen Taylor-Yates, and we discuss how to support your fellow multi-hyphenate. Now, before we get into it, I just want to ask anyone who's listening, if you feel unsatisfied with your current working situation, so... Do you feel undervalued, overworked? Do you feel like you would not want to come back off holiday to the job that you're in? Um, And I'm asking that because I read an article in 2017, I think it was, and it found that more than 70% of employers are not satisfied in their job. And that was in the UK alone, (laughs) which is ridiculous. But whilst that is kind of a broader discussion, it kind of flows quite nicely into what today's episode's about because the multi-hyphenate method allows you the freedom to explore multiple passions with various income streams to give you an overall satisfying working life and it's very much something on your terms as well so Helen and I discussed all things from career to supporting your side hustle um, working through burnout mentoring and a whole lot more so I sound really biased when I say this but I'm really proud of this episode because I truly believe it's something that I know that I would have benefited from massively listening to at a younger age. Um, So yeah, I hope you all enjoy it and yeah, enjoy the rest of the show. Hello Helen. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. Good. I'm so happy I finally got you down for a day because you're always so bloody busy yes and we've been wanting to do this for a while and i wanted you specifically for this particular episode because of the nature of what we're talking about which is essentially the idea of living a multi-hyphenate lifestyle with your career and it's a completely new concept well not com- the the term is pretty new yeah. um but the idea is fairly fresh to people my age who in their like 20s so can you just give a little introduction just say like hi I'm Helen and then let us know what your age is and what you do for a living. Okay so I'm Helen I'm 32 I am currently a marketing and PR consultant for my own business HTY Communications and I'm also a co-director for another business with my partner which is Hill and Taylor Flooring um, commercial flooring contractors and I also do freelance writing as well so Totally embracing that multi-hyphen method mm-hmm. with a super long job title, though. <laughs> Amazing. And the reason I asked you specifically was because you kind of... I remember if I take myself back to, I think it was December, it was probably December, when mm. I was panicking at home with my previous job. I was an assistant manager at a cafe and I was just like, 50, 60 hour weeks, I don't want to do it anymore. And my sister, because I know you through my sister, we've been friends for a year or two. Yeah. Um, my sister said get in touch with Helen because Helen um, does freelance marketing she does all this stuff and she'd be a really good person to talk to so you took the time to come and meet me we had some lovely brunch and you introduced me to this method as well as introducing me to a job role which I'm now in so I feel like yay (laughs) and I love it um so I feel like I've been saying you're kind of like my career fairy godmother um so I wanted to bring you here because it's not just that you you've offered so much support throughout and it's not just to me I know you do this for a lot of people so kind of going into the actual term multi-hyphenics I know a lot of people will be thinking what is a multi-hyphenate and when we explain it you'll probably already be aware of it anyway or you might be completely unaware or maybe you're wondering like oh I've heard this term before so like I'm more curious about it so 
from you, what is a multi-hyphenate and why do you think it is so relevant to young people today? I think a multi-hyphenate and the phrase at the moment is a really juicy phrase um, for young people to get um, involved in and to find out more about. Essentially, the multi-hyphen method is basically a lifestyle approach um, to your career. So in the past, it's often been, and I was one of those people um, growing up, it was go to do your GCSEs, go to college, go to university, get a job, get a job that will pay well, that you'll get good holidays, that you'll get a good pension, and that you'll just settle in and do that for the next 50 years. Mm -hmm. That was what I believed I was supposed to do. And then I got the degree, I got my first job, and I was just like, oh, I, I want to do something else now. And then I got the next job, I want to do something else now. And I thought there was something wrong with me. I was like, why can you not stay in a job for... I mean, the longest I stayed in a job was um, four years in employment, and that was because I stayed because of the people more mm -hmm. than the role. But before that, it was probably about two years um, max that I would stay in a role. And I was thinking, oh, this isn't right. And I'd got contemporaries as well that were thinking, that were saying things like, oh, your CV's not going to look good if you're jumping mm -hmm. from job to job. And actually, the reason that I was doing that is because I had so many interests that I wanted to explore and get involved in that I couldn't stay pinned down to one career for the next 50 years. And the thought of doing that absolutely frightened the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. So essentially, the multi-hyphen method is um, a book that was written by um, Emma Gannon. And it's basically saying that if you are a artist broadcaster, writer, filmmaker, and also a part-time cafe worker or dancer, that is your job title. There is multiple hyphens in between those job roles, mm -hmm. and that is who you are. And you know what? It is absolutely fine. And that it's celebrated, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just because, say, you're a dancer and you don't have to be a full-time dancer, for 50 60 hours a week for the next 60 years of your life you can then mix that in with other job titles and other roles and have a really fulfilled and creative approach to your mm -hmm. career i think you were mentioning but um earlier on as well how it's kind of it's not just about having loads of random income streams just because like there's now a term for help multi-hyphenate. It's about expressing your passions and exploring those. Yeah. So why do you think that is so relevant for young people today? Because I know me in particular, um, after you introduced it to me, I realised, yeah, like I want to go into freelance marketing, but I also want to work on a side project. But I also need to work for my parents one day a week and I also have a part-time job. But then I was totally okay with that because of this new term. Mm -hmm. So, and I know a lot of other people who are my age are going through the same thing where they have, when they work at a bar, but they're also an artist or doing loads of other stuff. So how can you think this has come up so, so recently? I think it's always been there. So if you think I'm 32, I felt like this when I was in my twenties, but I think, um, in terms of the media, in terms of influencers, um, and also the, the conversation around um, feminism. Young women particularly have now got more of a voice that can speak up and hold their hands up and have that confidence as well to say, oh my God, this isn't working for me, or 
I need something more fulfilling. And it's kind of comes back down to as well to that quarter life crisis. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, people would joke about a midlife crisis. But by the time I was 25, I was in that quarter life crisis. I yeah. was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm, I want to do all this. I want to earn this. I've got these bills to pay. I've got this. And what's everybody going to think? So I think the conversation is more open now and we're mm-hmm. able to discuss it. Whereas I, when I was up and coming through my career, I felt very alone. I didn't have a, a strong female role model to look up to career-wise. I didn't have the support from other women. Other women were the competition. Other women on the corporate ladder would knock you down. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't support women coming up and coming through the ranks. And having been there and sitting here now at 32, having finally taken that step and embraced all my quirks and everything that I now love about myself and my career, I want to help other women mm-hmm. and other younger women to come up through the ranks and not feel like they're a failure because essentially their university career hasn't prepared them for employability because um, the culture around education is not necessarily prepared, preparing you with those employability skills, getting appropriate careers advice, and having that network to rely upon. Mm. So It's funny when you, you're just mentioning about education, let's go straight into that, because how, what, how would you describe careers advice um, to teenagers who are 16 getting careers advice for people who are in their 50s? Careers advice from my experience is an absolute shower of shit (laughs) and I joke you not and and that's coming from someone who has obviously received careers advice throughout Mm -hmm. my career and someone that has worked in the public and private education sector across Manchester and Staffordshire. I have seen it in the Midlands and the North West first hand and I cannot see how it is suitable or it is appropriate for modern day young people whatsoever. You know, uh, you've got middle-aged people who haven't, m- m- seven times out of 10, they haven't got the industry experience mm-hmm. and they're sitting there advising 16 to 18, all the way up to 21 year old graduates on how their career should go and it's essentially it's writing a paper CV. Yeah. It is irrelevant in modern day careers. I think as well, like they haven't grown up with the rise of social media and no. because that has been obviously a blessing and a curse, I guess that's a, for a different day. But through the rise of social media and like the digital age in general, it's allowed people to express themselves creatively and the vast majority of people nowadays are moving into creative ventures because of the flexibility they have now, whereas back in the day, it would have been like, if someone said they wanted to be a photographer, it'd be like, oh, well, you could take pictures for like, OK Magazine, or yeah, something it's, like that. It's not a sustainable income and yeah. things like that, because often there's, there's certain careers that we're stereotyped to go into, you know, teaching is a good, solid career, engineering is a good, solid career. <laughs> and they're they're gender biased they're often boring and you're expected to stay in them for a long time and the careers advice is reflecting that Mm. whereas nowadays they're like you say there's the advance of digital um i I do training on personal branding 
if you, you speak to a careers advisor and say, right, I need to develop my personal brand, can you help me with that? <laughs> say to you, like, WTF? <laughs> like, seriously? Yeah. They haven't got a clue. They then say, come here, come on um, Word 98 and, and we'll come and do a, a little uh, CV for you here, etc. Now yeah. you need to go around and hand that out and we'll help you to fill an application form. I love your careers advice, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> careers advice is totally going to be burning me at the stake for now. <laughs> I'm sure there are some good ones out there, but there needs to be more. And yeah. across the, across education in general, we need to always be striving for better. And that, and that is part of the multi-hyphen approach, is striving for better and not becoming complacent. When you're in a role for a long time, it is very easy to feed off other people within mm-hmm. those environments and to become complacent in your role. If you're not climbing the, the ladder, you can just become very complacent. And that's something I've been conscious that I never wanted to do. I've been in roles where we've over-recruited, so we've got bigger budgets, and then the job just becomes easy. Mm-hmm. Here's X amount of money, go and do something fun with that. Oh, that's happened for a bit. And then it, it yeah, just they try to challenge me. They tried to, what's the word for it? They tried to mask the shit with stuff like, like little projects like that or stuff like Casual Fridays or everyone gets beer after work today. And it's like, oh, this is a really good job. But it's like, are you, if you take away all of that, are you really fulfilled in the position you are, you are in right now? Yeah. And I've been there in in my career. So you're working, you're contracted to 37, 38 hours a week. You work that, you still have to do overtime, so you're actually working 50, 60 hours a week, you're often working on weekends, and yet you don't get paid for that, what you get back is loo time, but mm-hmm. then that loo time isn't necessarily yours, it's when your employer deems that loo time is appropriate for their business, so you're not actually feeling fulfilled as an employee, because your employer dictates everything to you. and. Again, the, the rise of digital has seen that in terms of emails on your phone. You're mm-hmm. constantly available to yeah. your employer 24-7. And in my background of working in marketing, social media, PR, crises happen. And they usually happen on a weekend Live. or <laughs> outside of 9 to 5. So mm-hmm. you have to be available constantly. And yes, that is the career path I chose. But also now, the way that I work, I, I probably work more hours than I did when I was employed but I'm also financially compensated for that and I'm also fulfilled and it's on your terms entirely so because you definitely sound like you have so much experience in like the before the (laughs) multi-hyphenate life so could you tell us a little about a little bit about what you were doing before and when it is you decided to embark on this new career path yeah so I'm a broadcast journalism graduate um, Same. <laughs> I have worked in um, broadcast media, marketing, PR, um, in arts, tourism, and the education sector for the past twelve-ish years, and um, I've worked across Staffordshire, the West Midlands, and Greater Manchester, and I've always. If I'm honest, I've always felt like I've never quite fitted in. As I said before, maximum 18 months, two years, staying somewhere. Because I found that I like to... I usually end up going in 
two um, businesses that are struggling or they've got particular problems, helping them turn things around, hitting the targets, getting the recruitment, whether that be of students, whether that be of people attending events, etc. And then I feel as if I went through the town because I've, I've, I've come, I've done what I aim mm -hmm. to do, I've delivered to budget to deadline, and now I want to move on. So I've, like I said, the longest I stayed somewhere was four years, and that's because I absolutely adored the people that I was working with. But then that's also when I started to become more complacent. So mm -hmm. I was like working at a really successful um, education provider in Staffordshire. We were over-recruited on targets. We got massively big budgets. So then I decided to go and work in a really underprivileged area of Greater Manchester, where I had massive problems in recruiting people into further education. Um, they had huge struggles um, in terms of violence, etc. in the local communities. And it was a total challenge walking into that. But again, 18 months down the line, turned things round, moved on, went into working to higher education. And then in set June, June, July 2017, mm -hmm. um, I became quite ill. Um, I had some time off work. Um, ended up going back to work in the September of 2017. I became really ill again. Um, got taken into hospital. Um, within 24 hours, I was having an operation to remove a mass that they found on my ovaries. And I then had quite a long time of recovery. Went back um, to work in about the November time. And during that time, um, my employer had been going through a restructure. And as I went back to work, it had um, come round to the marketing and PR team's time for a restructure. Mm. And I'd got um, back into employee, into work, etc. I was still working alongside my same team, etc. that I, I adored working with. And then I just, the time away being ill had given me that break and that time to reflect on how I'd essentially hit burnout mm -hmm. and how something really serious had had to happen to my health for me to sit there and go wow this this isn't actually where I want to be what yeah. I want to be and who I want to be doing it with and you, you it's as if you're on that hamster wheel and you're onto the next project onto the next project constantly that you don't have time to sit back and go actually this isn't working for me as, mm. as an individual you know you could look at all all my figures all the projects that i've been working on and yeah i was doing really well but i wasn't fulfilled in that so it was by december 2017 um my employer had said um these jobs are ring fenced for you you can apply for these i put my forms in i've done all this and then I was just there on the way to work one day. I was like, "Can't be honest. I don't <laughs> want to do this." Yeah. I, and, and and I was like, "I can either get this job and carry on, or I can do something else." And I didn't know what something else was. And that day, I just went into HR and I just said, "I, I want to retract my applications mm. for these jobs." And they were no one could get it. Everyone just thought I'd lost my mind to the extent. Mm -hmm. And all fairness to HR, HR had a word 
with someone in my team and they had a they had a conversation with me and were like is your mental health okay we you know we're we're actually worried for you now that you you know you've come back to work after having um quite serious health problems and mm. now you just want to want to walk away from it you know there's good holidays here there's a pension here you know take some more time off sick but and i was just like no like nobody could grasp that it was just good, time to move on yeah, the, the good pension the good holidays the casual fridays it, but it didn't add up to what I actually needed to fulfil me. So that December, I left. Um, I was officially made redundant, but I didn't get any um, redundancy pay because I hadn't been there long enough. Um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But again, that was another thing people couldn't grasp. They were like, oh, stay, because the longer you stay, you get a payout. And I was just like... But it's not about the money, it's about my sanity, it's about my fulfilment. Yeah. I can't stay. And I actually had a really cool conversation with one of the new directors that come in and he said to you know, he was he was trying to get me to stay and he went, But what do you want out of life? Quite in a way frustrated with me and I went, I just want to be happy. Mm-hmm. And he just like leaned back in his chair and he was like oh. <laughs> so, oh, I can't like, fix that, can I? <laughs> yeah, and he, he just he just knew, and he just sank in his chair, and he's like, "There's nothing more that he could say." And it was nothing personal to him. It was nothing. It was just me. I'd outgrown it, and I needed to do something to fulfil me. So I quit my job. We booked a holiday to Cape Verde. We went to Cape yes. Verde to, <laughs> in December 2017. I look back at them photos. I look absolutely awful. And <laughs> Pale. I, I look ill. I look drained. I look awful. But it, but it was, was your a, turning a great point, time. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then I, I woke up in January twenty eighteen. I was like, all oh, right, so I've got some bills to pay now. So like, yeah. <laughs> and that's when I decided, right, I'm going to be doing freelance work. I also became a co-director um, with my partner of um, of commercial flooring contractors, and just started to rediscover what I loved in life I loved writing I enjoy photography mm-hmm. filmmaking I love broadcast that's what I was trained in originally yeah I'd, I'd come so far away from what originally my dreams and ambitions were and now I'm getting back to that at 32 years of age and actually loving what I'm doing mm-hmm. because I think as well some of the down the downfall of my success I don't know if that's the right phrase but because when you're starting out, you start in marketing and PR, you get to do the fun stuff, you get to do content, content. you get to do filming, recording, interviews, etc. The higher up the ladder you get, it's more about strategy, it's more about yeah. planning, it's more about sitting in two hour long meetings with people that, at the outcome, th- there is no outcome essentially. Yeah. And the higher up I got, the further away from the fun stuff that you got to do mm-hmm. and then I'd go back to the team and be like oh right so so and so is going to be doing this on social so and so is going to be doing this on broadcast so and so is going to be writing this and I'm inside I was like I want to be doing that I yeah. don't want to be the one that's then riding your back saying why haven't you hit that deadline why are we out of this budget mm-hmm. I've got a budget to control blah 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 and that's where I was whereas now I and don't get me wrong, that experience has served me well. So I can work at a strategic level and I can also work at grassroots level yeah. of delivering and recording that content. And it's having that balance and it's enjoying 
having that balance and doing a mix of those things, not getting squished and shoehorned into something that you're good at, so your employer's pushing you down that route mm-hmm. when actually it's not fulfilling you whatsoever. That's such a brilliant story because I know that there are a lot of people who have left university who I know personally who are in this role and they say like, oh, you know, doing the same thing and all I'm going to have to do is move higher up and I don't want to, like you were saying, you don't want to get rid of the fun side. And your story reminded me so much of, um, you know, Jamila Jamil. Yes. She has a very similar story where she went through, where she was, uh, she just become the first woman to present the official chart show on Radio 1. And then she went through some really terrible health scares as well. And then while she was ill, she thought, right, I'm going to, I'm not going to do a bucket list, I'm going to do a fuck it list, <laughs> which is if I get through this, then the things I'm going to do, and one of them was to quit and move to LA, yeah. and that is exactly what she did, and she said, like, Radio 1 really supportive of her, and which, obviously, your side, they were all confused, but I think on the, I know it's different, like, circumstances, but Radio 1 apparently went, okay, yeah, we can see, like, you need to do what you got to do, um, so when you initially left your previous role, because I know some people might be like, I can't just get up and quit. I need to, I need to be earning money. So would you have any kind of ideas on how to, because did you have any support to fall back on or for somebody who doesn't really have much to fall back on, what would you advise for them? I do think obviously you need to be sensible about it. I have a mortgage to pay for. I have two dogs. I have a car, I have bills that need to be paid every month. During that time in December, uh, as soon, I I was really surprised, because again, sometimes I I don't have enough confidence in myself. As soon as people found out that I was leaving my role and that I was potentially gonna be freelancing, the amount of former contacts and former employers that came forward be it on LinkedIn and just private messaging me, bumping into them at different things, that were like, oh my God, Helen, you're gonna be brilliant at freelance. Oh, you know what, we need to meet up for a coffee. Oh, you know what, come into the office. This, uh, And to, to be fair, by mid-January, I'd already secured work and got things planned that they were in place. So it wasn't, as simple as I quit in the December and then mm-hmm. January, I, I did, I woke up and was like, what am I going to do? Like I said, it in the back of my head, I'd got that, I knew I'd got my skill set to fall back on and that mm-hmm. there would be something there. And it was about delving back into my network and seeing who was out there and not necessarily selling myself, which I was very lucky I didn't need to do in the first instance, as people came forward and were like, oh, we've got this project you could support us on, we've got this, oh, I can introduce you to so-and-so. So, the, like I say, the experience of the past and having that experience was obviously really valuable moving forward. So um, it's important to say then that it's definitely not an easy thing to do. It's not like you get up, you decide you're going to quit and then you quit. I think for me in particular, I have, I'm very lucky in that my family is super supportive. I still live at home at the moment. So I'm able to, I'm able to stay at home and I don't like, you know, my expenses, I don't have to pay as many bills and stuff. So that, that was my support. But like you were saying, it's good to have in mind, have a plan. 
don't just I mean if you want to get up and decide to quit and if you feel called to do it then do it because you'll probably feel better for it but you do need to think about a plan because especially when you're moving into a more of multi-hyphenate career you want to have at least one general stream of income that you can always fall back on um so let's just uh, discuss the book a little bit briefly because I know a lot of people have been wanting to read it now and when I suggest it they're like oh my god yeah I'm listening to that on audiobook um so I think it, it's a huge support of the side hustle yes um what in what way did it speak to you mainly for me I'd been fangirling over Anna Gannon for a while I'd been listening to her control alt delete um podcast I'd read that book and then she started talking about this multi-hyphen method and this new book she got out. And when I brought it and read it, it didn't necessarily teach me anything new. What it did for me was confirm things mm. and that I wasn't actually weird or I, didn't act- I wasn't actually losing my mind by wanting to live this alternative career and this different approach to my lifestyle. And that there was actually other people out there that felt the same and that w- were already doing it. So where I had all this fear in the background of what will my former colleagues think, what will other employers think, etc. Actually, it's going to serve me really well. There's other people out there who are actually doing this and they're mm-hmm. totally slaying. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get on that bandwagon. I want to join them. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's having that freedom as well. And I think for me, it kind of, it made me feel less like a failure for having to maybe work a couple of days a week for my parents which I'm not saying it's a failure to work mm. for them but I mean when you think like oh I've got to still do a part-time role so I can't make up all the money and it's kind of saying like yeah get that part-time wage like enjoy it like I've always said it's since I was younger I've always been like I do not want to have I don't want to just work one job for the rest of my life but then also I don't just want to work one job on its own and luckily for me the job I have at the moment the three day a week one is digital content coordinator for a boutique festival company which I love it offers me the they offer incredibly kind flexible working hours and I think the multi-hyphenate method is definitely definitely for an employer or an employee who is either offering flexible working hours or support or seeking flexible working hours so why do you think that that is most important I think it boils down to productivity at the end of the day. So you could be working 40 hours a week for an employer, but your productivity is absolutely through the floor. Mm. You're not delivering, you're, you're below average. Whereas if you could work less hours and be more productive in that time, so instead of doing those 40 hours, if you're working 20 hours but more productive, and I've had, we were talking earlier, and I said I've had it before, where often I could complete the work I needed to and go above and beyond in three quarters of the time that was given to me Mm -hmm. so why not give me that quarter of the time to go and do something that fulfills myself instead of sitting in open plan offices with people that just breathe complacency that literally there would be people sat reading newspapers just to pass the time time. and don't get me wrong in PR departments we need to read (laughs) newspapers but they weren't doing it for that purpose whatsoever yeah it's about productivity and you you're never more productive than when you're passionate about something and when you've got the freedom to be creative so in terms of the multi-hyphen method you can totally be more productive in a less amount of time but 
you can spread that time out between various different projects, various different employers, and still bring your A game to the table. I think as well, like, it's important for there to be an element of trust between employer and employee when they do that. Because I think something that Emma Gannon mentions in the book is saying, you know, if you don't, if you don't trust each other, then naturally you are going to be like, okay, you have to be sat there and working this so up because like, I don't trust you to go and do it somewhere else. I don't trust yeah. that you've done all the work. Um, I'm trying to think of something we were mentioning earlier on about how, oh yeah, so I was saying how employers are in the corporate industry are so shit scared of developing their employees enough that they will keep them there for 40 years because they get so worried about them moving on even though it's like if you give them the flexible hours and the support they are more they're more likely to stay and when they are eventually ready to move on there will be another influx of people ready to be there yeah because essentially why would you want to constantly keep average people you know you can have a handful of really good people and yet like you say that staff turnover as people move on, there's then the doors open for younger people to get the experience, which is so many times the amount of times people say, oh, I, they said I didn't get that job because I didn't have enough experience because no one's willing to give them that opportunity mm-hmm. to get that experience. You know, we need to let people go. We need to let people go off and indulge in their creative endeavours and we need to have more opportunities for younger people to be able to show themselves and be able to step up and bring in new ideas and sometimes I think employers can be scared of that and you know there's a at the moment a really negative connotations to millennials to the snowflake generation (laughs) etc but actually in my opinion that generation is striving for better so why would you want to knock them down? Why would you want to call them snowflakes when actually they're striving for better work-life balance, they're striving for better pay, they're striving for better working conditions and they want to be more creative? What is so bad about it's definitely things? It's definitely fear because it's not that we're just striving for more, it's that we're now demanding more. Yeah. And people nowadays sometimes won't even take a job if it's not got some of the terms that they want obviously it's like give and take and stuff Mm -hmm. but if you are just it's like does what it says on the turn you're going to be here 40 hours a week in the office that's it blah 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 then even that on a job description it'll just put you off it's not what you want to see and the Um, thing is as well though so if people i I guarantee you if someone's got an idea or a little side hustle they're developing if their employer will not give them time to go and explore that, be it they're allowed to finish early two hours on a Friday or something like that, I guarantee you that employee will still be working on that in their, their employer's time. And actually yeah. their employer is then paying for them to mm-hmm. develop their side hustle. And then that employee will leave. So why not give them their time and freedom to balance it out, to balance yeah. the two, instead of being so greedy and as you say it's all built on fear it's so true i think something it's something to note as well it's not just people my age or people your age who are going who are like curious about this i think the multi-hyphen method allows you to do this at any age to decide at any point of your life if you're listening and you're 48 years old and you're like 
oh that appeals to me but you know I'm too old to do that you're definitely no, not, not. <laughs> well if anything your freedom is even probably better because you've probably got some more saved money yeah. that you can fall back on here yeah I, I think as well there is a, a lot around age and sometimes at 32 I think god you're old and things like that but if you're never <laughs> you're too old why would you want to spend however 20 30 40 50 years miserable and and I just can't I, I did it and now I can I can't look back and my partner has always been self-employed um himself and he was he says I could never go back to being an well he never was an employee so he can't even grasp can't that say, concept yeah. whereas I look back and I'm like I've been doing this now for two years mm. I, I couldn't I couldn't go back either and there's just so much freedom and happiness and so much more to life really definitely but now we're moving on to the support factor because that I wanted that to be kind of like the theme of all of this um because whilst people are listening and wondering okay this is something I want to do how do I do it I think especially because they don't teach you how to do this in school so it's incredibly important to seek that support so and it's not particularly easy because obviously what society has conditioned us to believe about what we're supposed to do. But did you have any particular support? I know you had the network of people, but it's because nowadays I can listen to a podcast or I can read a book, which I know wasn't, there weren't as many self-help books back in the day. So where did you like find your support? Um, interesting. Like, <laughs> if any, you might have just done it on your own. <laughs> yeah, like. I, I had a network of contacts, obviously, that um, I'd previously either worked with or had contact with, etc. Um, I have a fabulous support from my partner, who, as I said, he'd always been self-employed, then was running his own business. And, I mean, he, in a way, took the fear away from me when he was like, he, he said to me, you're going to work and you're ringing me at lunchtime crying. You do not go to work to cry. He said, yeah. if, if you are that sad and you are that unhappy, go back to the office, get your stuff and walk away. Mm. And I was just like, but I can't. He was like, I'm telling you, you can't. And, and from that moment when he said that, I went back into the office, I didn't pack my stuff and I did not walk away at that time. But a whole weight was lifted and it, it was as if I... I knew at any point I could just do that. Mm. He, not that I needed his validation, but I, it his support was there to go. Yeah. You know what? It's okay. You're more important than the money you're bringing in from this job. Yeah. And he's like, I I need you, not that money. So if you're unhappy, just walk away from it. And and that was a definitely a trigger of the next few weeks going forward when I decided actually no I can walk away from this I've got the strength to walk away from it um but I I would say my network was very limited I I I didn't necessarily have friends that worked in my industry I didn't have friends that were freelancing or friends that were running their own businesses I'd got um a small network um of girlfriends that I'd met through yoga 
um, and they were totally supportive, one of them being your amazing sister. Um, <laughs> I feel like for some reason when I, when I do these episodes, it always ends up like mentioning my sister, but yeah, she's pretty cool. <laughs> the legend that is, Gabriella, yeah. Um, you know, so I, I've got, I, I would say no more than probably three or four people that were actually understanding and getting it. Um, and again, you know, my background, I come from a very hard-working, um, working-class background, you know. Um, my parents were always, you know, got an amazing work ethic, um, worked hard all their life, but never reaped the rewards from it mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think they always wanted what was best for me. And probably my mum had great fears of me leaving what would be a stable career for the unknown. Whereas mm. actually it's just fear holding us back. And yeah. just because, you know, we haven't got um, parents that are willing to bankroll us straight out of uni so you can go and do whatever you want, or partners that will bankroll us, you've, you've got to fund yourself and you've got to have confidence in yourself. And mm. I think also, it's two ways the younger you are the less sort of responsibility as in mortgage and things like that you have so like yourself you could still at home etc so the risk is lower but also at my age I had got those responsibilities so Mm. the drive was there that I, I, I need to make this work yeah. otherwise my house is going my dogs aren't going to get fed oh, I'm going to be riding a bicycle not a car yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean like, yeah. I, I, I've got bills to pay so it makes you that much more driven that much yeah. more hungry for it that you know you've got you've got to make this way you've got to have confidence in it's yourself it's like turning the fear into drive then yeah. instead of being like oh god I can't quit because like I need to pay all my bills it's like oh okay yeah I'm gonna quit and I need to pay my bills so I'm gonna do this quick I think that it's it's so lovely to hear when you say your partner is so supportive because I know so many people that are surrounded by friends and often family who are like you know it's not gonna work Mm -hmm. it's not gonna work and it's mainly because especially with friends friends see it as a because it's not really the norm to just branch out and be like no I'm just gonna do this friends will bring you down because they're not doing it yet and because they want to do it probably um and because it is, it's a brave thing to do. It's a brave thing to step away from the idea of you're going to have a stable career, you're going to have a really big apartment and a mortgage and like blah, blah, blah. And then being like, no, no, <laughs> I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. We've been conditioned that that's what success equals. Well, everyone's version of success is different. You know, going through to call it further education, higher education, getting a career for the next 50, 60 years, getting married, having two kids, buying a house, that isn't for everybody, yet that's what we're all told is mm-hmm. the definition of success. Yeah. And, you know, I think throughout my, my personal life as well, I, I don't know if it's necessarily, it's not a rebellion because I don't consciously do it. You know, I do own a house, I do own a car, I'm not married. Mm. I don't have children. Mm-hmm. Again, they are things that society looks upon as they're different. Well, she, she's 32. They've been engaged for, I don't know how long they've been engaged for. No, <laughs> yes. I lost count. You know, we, we love each other. We adore each other. We work together. We support each other. 
but we don't necessarily need to get married and have children yeah. to tip boxes. We, you know, we. You like... want to work on your house first. Yeah, exactly. Like there's, there's. I'm just, we're in Helen's house at the moment, and there's rooms that are being done up. And you, you know, you want to do it on your own terms, in your own time. Yeah. So, you know, it traditional careers and traditional lifestyles. You know, you don't have to do a lot of what society mm. thinks. And don't get me wrong, a lot. I, I've then seen the amount of people that have done all them things. Being me, being one. And then they sit there and they're so unhappy. And then, yeah. you know, they're 40 years of age and they've got all these things and then marriages start breaking down and other things like that because society told us that's what the equivalent of success is and it's not for everybody. Mm. And we shouldn't be, we shouldn't judge and we shouldn't also be scared to be judged because you know what, the people that are judging us are the, probably the ones that are going home sat at home at night yeah. in an unhappy marriage with children that are driving them mad bills, debts, etc. Mm-hmm. From the outside, they're driving a nice car, they're living in a big house, but actually, they're as miserable as sin. It's so interesting when you say that because it's almost as if the idea, all of them, the ideals that society has set for us are coming into question today. And people are saying, okay, so we've been, the way that we are living our lives is based on what the ideas that have been set before us whereas now it's almost as if the next generation is like kind of challenging this the societal messages and being like no let's start the conversation let's let's flip this because we've this is based on one idea so it's it's really interesting and and in the book Emma Gannon does go into that more and talk about um the past of how um set amount of hours and unflexible working and stereotypes etc and I think it's good that we can have this conversation now and we can all put well not all of us but some of us can put our hands up and go hey this isn't working for Mm -hmm. us this isn't the norm for us and that is absolutely fine to be different and do something different definitely so for people that don't necessarily have that immediate support why do you think it's important for them to actively seek that support through online groups or one just for possibly the validation to know and i'll tell you right now you are not weird (laughs) it is fine (laughs) you're totally normal you know having a support network there um it's always useful to be able to thrive off other people other ideas from people to build those networks to know that you're doing okay that we all I, i will say having worked freelance you do I do miss sometimes having those big teams. I went from being in a team of about 50 down to being with one. Mm. So it was like, wow. It's <laughs> just me to talk to. There's what is me this to quote? answer to and there's me to question. No, <laughs> nobody's offering me a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, there's online groups, there's co-working spaces, there's lots of different things, there's events, etc. You know, dive into them. Get out there, develop your personal brand. Share them with you people know. you think might be interested yeah. in, which is what you do, which is something that I love. You you make sh- you make a point to share stuff with people that you think they would be interested in, even if it's not. Like, even job descriptions for me, when I was looking for a job, you're like, oh, I think you might like this. Like, you didn't need to do that, but it's what people need to do. People need to be supporting one another in this. Yeah, definitely. And I think because 
I, as I said before, I didn't have somebody there to support me or within the industry or a mentor when I was coming through. So I just think it's so valuable for us to have that nowadays and I will totally support every person, regardless of gender, age, whatever, coming up through the ranks. If they've got talent and you can see that talent, I will totally support you and help you because you're, you're not my competition. You're mm. potentially you're an asset to me and my businesses. I could potentially be working with you in the future. You know, we can thrive off each other. Everyone's got a different skill set. So mm-hmm. let's nurture that. Let's value those relationships and, and make the most out of it. So to round everything up, because I feel like that's a good good bit to end on, um, is there any in this sentence? What kind of what would you say to someone who wants to do this, who wants to break out of their career and make it on their own? Because I would say something cheesy like believe that what you're doing is okay, <laughs> and just bloody do it. I think that is one thing to say. I think. which is kind of the same mm. vein that you're saying it's but you you have got to have that faith in yourself and that confidence and and know to follow your dreams um and that again i keep saying this phrase you're, you're not weird i think i spent so m- much of my career thinking i'm different to these people i sit next to i you know when you've got like drinks on a Friday after work I was just like I'm so much more than drinks after a Friday at work but then yeah. you don't want to think oh I think I'm more than drinks on a Friday yeah. but you're just like and where other people are like oh drinks yeah this is what it's all about my employer loves me so much yeah no not necessarily so yeah. yeah just have faith in yourself work hard that is another one you know we've got like as we said we've got this um generation of millennials that seem to have this entitled um branded upon them that they're an entitled generation let's prove them wrong let's work Mm. hard let's make sure we can get the experience behind us and prove people wrong go on just prove people wrong and i think if you're worried about like trying to find if you're like i haven't got any faith have faith in the idea that you're even thinking about it Mm -hmm. because it means that you're already one step closer yeah so thank you so much Helen like we've uh, we've unpacked so much there (laughs) and I wish we could go on for longer but um yeah thank you you've been amazing and yeah come on guys you can do this if you're thinking about it just go ahead because we believe in you and also there's loads of different there's like invisible people right now that are also saying yeah go on the world is on your side believe in the universe got your back (laughs) amazing thank you again helen and i'll speak to you guys very soon